This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit provides information on how you can lead a healthy lifestyle. I'm the host, Josie Bidwell. Search for and subscribe to Southern Remedy on any podcasting app to not miss any episode. From MPB Think Radio, this is Fix It 101, the home improvement show to help you do it yourself. I'm Lacey Alexander here with Pam Pibus, ASHI certified inspector at Inspect It Like a Girl. Jeff Salmons from Housework is out this week, so the girls are taking over. When was the last time your home underwent a professional inspection conducted by a licensed home inspector? If your response begins with hesitation or uncertainty, then this is the program designed for you. From the most apparent issues to the tiniest imperfections, a home inspector's role isn't to critique your residence, but to ensure that your home and its various symptoms are functioning optimally to provide a comfortable living environment. So between your calls and emails, we will talk about the home inspection process with our very own Pam Pibus. Or send an email to fixit101 at mpbonline.org. All right, Lacey's here. Pam is here. We got Jermaine on the boards. It's ladies' night, baby. It's ladies. And you know how... how or you, ladies' day. Yeah, ladies' right. day. <laughs> <laughs> and we're all bundled up. Yeah, gosh. It's it, It's been cold. It's I, chilly. Yeah, yesterday kind of got me, so now I'm really bundled up and I don't even really need to be. <laughs> that wind. It's going to warm up and then it's going to plummet. Yes, that wind yesterday was like knives. It, it was, was awful. It was unbelievable. And, you know, I have a client who... Um, we were dealing with some drainage issues around their house, and mm-hmm. uh, the last couple of years, they came in and did some repairs dealing with gutters and, you know, trying to keep the water out of the garage. And so oh, I get this text message yesterday morning that the water was back in the garage, but it was minuscule compared to what it used to be. Yeah. And we were laughing about that because, um, you know, that blowing rain, mm-hmm. it went places that you would not normally think it would go. It was raining sideways. It was. It was raining sideways. It got into every crack and cranny. It did. It did. And and we were laughing. And she said, you know, had I not gotten the issue fixed, it'd be a skating rink in my um, my garage. Yeah. (laughs) Because it had dropped. Because the temperature had dropped. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, taking care of issues before you have that kind of weather is kind of important. Mm -hmm. Well, here in Mississippi, we'll have one of those rainforests esque rainstorms and then freezing cold weather. You can't you can't keep up in the south. No. Yeah, it changes and right now we're in that, you know, where these fronts are coming in and then the temperatures just plummet and so I've been getting messages and emails and text messages from clients about how do I protect my home from the freezing mm-hmm. weather. Mm-hmm. And so there are a couple of things that you want to keep in mind. Our infrastructure here is really not built for these insane temperatures. Um, newer homes probably are better equipped to deal with it. But if you're in an older property like I am, um, just you, you almost take care of it like your grandma did or grandpa did. You, um, <laughs> yeah. you drip your lines. And what you want to do is you want to find or think about where's my water heater? So if your water heater's in the attic, know in the attic where it is. Mm -hmm. Then go to the sink that's closest to where that water heater is, and then drip your hot water line in that location. Also, if you have sinks that, like a kitchen sink, is usually on an outside wall. A lot of folks, when you're washing your dishes, you can look out the window. Yeah. Okay? So that means that the pipes that go to that sink 
are in the wall. <laughs> so think about the orientation of your house. Right. Mm-hmm. If your house is sitting where that you're looking out the window and you're looking north or west, you're going to get winter weather. Okay. All right. Okay. So that's where the the wind and the cold air is coming from. So drip your lines in that location. Okay. Pam, I didn't know you needed a little meteorology to be a a contractor. She's talking about east and west and feng shui up in here. Well, you know, I think about folks don't. That's what I get paid for is to think about those, those types of things. But the orientation of your house will determine a lot as far as where you'll get weather events. So like even in new construction, a lot of what these new houses are doing is they're putting a hot water heater that is a tankless unit and they're sticking it in the wall. Okay, so it's usually on an outside wall. Well, think about which way is it facing. If it is on a north wall, you better drip the lines closest to that water heater, because if you don't, the lines going to that water heater are going to freeze. It's going to freeze. Yeah. And you're not going to have a hot shower. Who knew? Come on now, Pam. (laughs) And especially when and, and it's not just whenever we're when we hover around 36, 35, no big deal. But if we're going to get into 25, 26, Mm -mm. and what you want to think about is if that's going to be over a 48-hour period of time, that gives it enough time to freeze. Dripping your lines is a lot cheaper than a plumber. Yeah. So you, I want to kind of sum it up a little bit. You don't have to drip all over the house. You just need to drip closest to where you're talking about. Where well, where your water heater is or if you've got exterior lines. Okay. Like my water heater, and some of this I know because I live in an old house. My house was built in 1958. I had a tankless water heater put in, and it's on the north wall. Mm. That means, and there's no sun over there either. <laughs> yeah. You don't get sun on the north side of your house ever. If you think about it. Yeah, because it uh, rises in the east, sets in the west. It sets in the west, (laughs) and we're in the southern, we are in the northern hemisphere, so when that sun comes up, I mean, just think about it. We get mildew and stuff on the outside of our house, usually on the north side or where we don't get sun. Okay. So my water heater is never going to get any friendly rays from the sun, so I need to take care of that son of a gun. So I drip the lines. That water heater is on the wall on the outside of my hall bathroom so that's where i drip my lines huh i'm just gonna rent forever i'm not smart enough to own a home (laughs) well it's it i'll tell you there's a lot that goes into it especially when we start getting into these crazy weather events that's fascinating pam we were talking before we started the show you saw a news story that kind of touched your heart a little bit you wanted to talk about um heating systems in the home during these cold Times. Yeah, staying warm. And, you know, we just don't talk about that a lot in the South. Yeah. <laughs> we're not, we don't typically need to. We're not worried about warm. But we're go- I think we're going down to 15, 16 in a couple of days. Like, that's right. going to be the low, which makes me want to scream. Yes, it's going to it be cold. Coming. If you live in an old property, an older property, and I'm going to say, I'm going to say old is 15 years and more. Okay, folks, please do me a favor. Go to a hardware store and buy yourself a carbon monoxide alarm and put Mm. it in the house, Mm -hmm. please. Because and this article that I read was an elderly couple. This is in the South. I tried to find it. I couldn't I couldn't pull it up again. But they were complaining because the house was cold. And so somebody came over and turned their heat way up. Well, the next morning uh, or the next three days, the family didn't hear from them. So they sent, you know, the police over there to check on them. And they had died because 
the the furnace had malfun- malfunctioned. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. You and know, and when a furnace, if your furnace is gas, mm-hmm. when gas burns, the two things that gas off puts when it burns is water. Believe it or not, you burn gas, you get water. And the second thing you get is carbon monoxide. So if the carbon monoxide is offshooting, if the flu is not working right, mm-hmm. then it will backdraft into the house. Most of the time here in the South, it's, it's rare that you see carbon monoxide poisoning to the, to the extent that people die here in the South, because our houses aren't that as, as tight as they are up north. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say, because maybe we don't have a long winter and we don't have to run heat as much. No, it's, it really is our older properties that really have the problem with this, uh, with older furnaces. They will, um, that, that's where the issue is. Mm. And older homes are not sealed up. You know, it's, they're drafty. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. just here mm-hmm. in the South, that's yeah. just how it is. Yeah. Well, you put a furnace in there that's fifteen twenty. My, the one that I replaced in my house fifteen years ago was thirty five years old. Jeez. Okay, and yep. it was in a closet. Yeah. All right. And what'll happen with those things is that the gas burns in a chamber. So you'll, if you open the cabinet up and you watch the flames going into the chamber, mm-hmm. it is burning. What it's doing is it's it's heating up an element. That's called the heat exchanger. That then the air blows through that and brings warm air into our house. Yeah. If in if the flames inside that heat exchanger, if that heat exchanger gets a crack in it because it's old, it's metal. All right. Mm-hmm. Then now, not only are you pushing warm air into your house, you're pushing carbon monoxide into your house. Jeez. And can you even detect that with your nose? Is, no, Mm-mm. it's non it's non detectable. Non detectable, except with a carbon monoxide alarm. Mm-hmm. You can buy these things twenty dollars. Not, not much. No, no. They, some of them have two packs for twenty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And those are the you can get them. What I did in my house is mine plug in, and so and then they have a battery as well. So if the power goes out, they're still going to work. Sure. And so I've got them in my guest bedroom and in my bedroom. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if if there's ever a problem, now my water heater now is on the outside of the house, so I'm not too worried about that. But my furnace is, is in a closet. <laughs> yeah, that's in, in the in the new house that I have uh, that we've been renovating. We've got an old. I mean, you can tell it's old. It's a General Electric. Oh you wow! Know, the, yeah, it's got the two, the the Roman numeral two, which means it was the second one they probably made. Now, <laughs> yeah, but it looks yeah. it looks old. You know, it's the brown, the sharp mm-hmm. edges. Mm-hmm. Oh man! Yeah, Jermaine yeah, lives in one of the pyramids. <laughs> yeah, <with laughs> that old equipment. <laughs> yeah, be careful. That's those are the ones that where I see a lot of the problems. Okay. So, you know, go ahead and get your carbon monoxide alarms. Will do. Also, think about this. In older properties, if you have a furnace that's older than 15 years old, get an HVAC person to come in there and inspect it for you. Mm -hmm. And what they'll do is they will literally take the panels off and then they take mirrors and they stick them up in there and they can see also and don't, you know, I always get this messed up. My friend Timmy could set me straight on this. Um, The flame will burn a certain color if there is a crack in the heat exchanger. Okay. I think it's blue. Let me. So, yeah. (laughs) I want to know. Yeah, we're going to look that up. So if you you can actually let your furnace burn and, like, look at what the flames are doing. Yeah. 
fascinating. I'm Lacey Alexander here with Pam Pibus, ASHE Certified Inspector at Inspect It Like a Girl, and we kicked Jeff out today. We, we told- did, yeah. <laughs> he told him, told him to stay home in that yeah, short sleeve right, shirt. Right. I don't want to see it. Yeah. Um, oh, now, Jermaine, did, I found uh, it. Ha- did you find it? I found it. So before the break, we were talking about um, carbon monoxide alarms and how you'll see a certain flame with your furnace. With your furnace yes, if there's furnace. a crack in the in the line. And what'd you find, Jermaine? Yellow. Yellow, Yellow flame. Yeah. Yellow yeah. flame signified the generation of carbon monoxide, the odorless, colorless, tasteless gas. So it's yellow. So if you see yellow and orange flames, they provide um, supposedly the least amount of heat, but that lets you know that it that it signifies the it's something ain't huh. right. Yeah. So can you so can you can you flick on a lighter and walk around the house like this? Will that work the same way? No. <laughs> Now, don't now, have if me you want to burn there. your house down, go right don't ahead. Have me, <laughs> don't have me out there like that now, yeah. Lisa. Ah. Yeah, let's don't do that. <laughs> oh, man. Well, thank you, Jermaine, for looking that up. Yeah. I tell you what, uh, Hugh okay. in Madison has been patiently waiting. Um, Hugh, we're going to go ahead and put you on the air, man. What's going on? Good morning. Appreciate you guys always with your show. Good morning. Uh, yeah. Uh, I have an older property where I will uh, cut off the water and drain the pipes, and I also have one of those uh, on-demand exterior water heaters. I wonder if there's anything special I should do about that. Is that the property that you're uh, winterizing, per se, that you're draining everything? Correct. Yeah, no. If you're draining your lines, so and what he's talking about is that you can go out to your meter, or you if you've got a um, mana block or a manifold, you can turn all the water off to the house. Just be sure that you go and drain the lines. So, what I recommend is that you go out to the faucet that is the closest to the water meter. Turn that on after you turn the water off. Turn turn that on so that all the water drains out of there, then go back in to the furthest fixture in the house, turn that on as well. Now the lines are not pressurized, so if anything in the line freezes, it's not going to cause the, the it's not going to clog up the whole line because there's just not enough water in there. On a tankless unit, usually those lines are vertical at the base, so once you drain the line, you're going to drain everything out of it. So I, I think you're good on that, Hugh. Do I need to cut that unit off uh, or leave it on? Well, it's not going to come on unless you turn the water on. That's the thing about those on demand. I mean, and, unless you turn it on, nothing. So I wouldn't even fool with that if it were me. I would just, you know, it's not like it's not like it's up north. You know, we're we're going weeks where the where it's going to be. Well, I don't know. It might maybe we will start doing that. Don't manifest that, Pam. Don't yeah. don't bring that on to yeah. us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I think if you just drain your lines, Hugh, you should be fine. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Thank Thanks you, Hugh. You Thanks for calling. Call anytime, Hugh. Uh, Pam, thank you for helping Hugh out there. I did want to talk in between questions, asking you about your experience as an inspector. Uh, let's start real, real basic, Pam. Tell us in layman's terms what a home inspector does. Well, <laughs> what I'd like to do is tell you a story. Tell me a story. Pam. Okay. So I, I think most people don't understand what we do. And what I love more, this new advent of people having cameras all over their house, I think that's awesome. I hope that if I'm doing a real estate transaction, that the owner spends about 10 minutes watching me work mm. because it will wear them out. 
I am am in constant motion whenever I'm inspecting a house. And I had a a client call me the other day, and they're they're wanting to buy a property. And they were like, well, you don't need to open the cabinets and all that and the doors and all that kind of stuff. And And I'm one of the inspectors. I open every door that I can find. All right, because I want to know what's in there. Well, I did a house last week. Actually, I left the show last week and headed up to do this house. And it was a real interesting home where they had, you know, back in the 60s, somebody had this idea that if we put our ductwork in the slab, it would be really energy efficient. Mm -hmm. But the problem is, is that whenever they put ducting and that's what your air blows through, they put it in metal and then encased it in concrete. So what happens, what happens is that whenever in our high dew point, when you start blowing cold air into a warm, moist environment in your slab, guess what happens? Underground. Uh Uh-huh. Condensation. Yeah. And so what happens is that that metal just begins to crumble. Well, now we're going to blow the air that we hope will heat and cool our house through Metal shards and rust, and we wonder why we have respiratory issues. Right. So in this particular situation, the I was opening the cabinets, and I noticed there was a string of cabinets, and the house was empty, and all of the bases on those cabinets had moisture damage. Mm. Oh lord, they were wavy. I was like, I wonder why that's like that. And it was it was like in a straight line. Mm-hmm. Well, I pulled out. I use thermal imaging in my inspections, which is tells me about temperature differentials. So I am doing a thermal. I thought I'm going to thermal the floor. Son of a gun! I could see exactly where the ductwork was, mm. and it was running right underneath that cabinet. Wow! Yeah. How do you uh, even fix something like that? Well, is it a jackhammer? No. Is it sell the house and start over? Yeah. I've worked with clients that what you what my recommendation is, of course, get an HVAC tech over there. Um, What I would do is reroute the system so that it goes in the attic and And not underground and not into the slab. Mm. So, Pam, you know, that's is is that something that's prevalent? Because I know up north. Well, they don't have slab. They do sit up. So Mm -hmm. up north, my my grandmother's. work goes underneath the house because it comes out of the floor right yeah yeah so up, up north it's it's fine we have just incredible issues here in the south when the duct work is in the crawl space yeah, yeah. always yeah and it's just it's climate folks let me, let me say something else about opening doors so if you open doors you can also tell if your foundation or your framing is off right you look at the top of the door or you look at the top of a window, and it will tell you. So what we do, what our standards tell us to do, is to open one door and one window per room because we just don't have time to do them all. Right. You know. Yeah. So we're always looking for that specifically here in the South, and then we're looking at the top above the above the door because that's the weakest place in the wall. Yeah. Is an opening, a window or a door. So we're looking up there to see if there are any cracks in the sheetrock above Mm -hmm. it. Don't tell Pam not to open up doors and windows. Well, she's an inspector. She needs to inspect. I do not care about your stuff, folks. I really don't. (laughs) Pam's like, look at that old bottle of milk. I know. I am looking. You know, I opened a cabinet yesterday uh, at this house, and and, and I could smell it before I saw it. (laughs) 
You've seen it all, haven't you? I, I'm, you know, it's just so funny, some of the stuff. But as far as what my process is, and I do a lot of inspections for homeowners, people who just want to make sure that everything is operating as it should. Right. And I have had the opportunity to drive. I mean, I've been down to Biloxi. I've been up to Marigold. Next week, I'm going to Pontotoc. Wow. And so these are people who own properties who want to know if it's safe what are the things, and how, how do you eat the elephant, you know? So I give them, I'll, I'll do the inspection, and then I give them a maintenance list. This is what you need to do first, and while you're doing this, you need to have this done. Mm. And whenever you're doing this, you needed to get this done. So it gives you a game plan yeah. of how to take care of it. Quickly. Quickly, yes. So when I'm doing a, a home inspection, I'll drive up to the property, I get out, I look at the outside, and then I'll walk around the outside taking a ton of photographs. I will. I usually average 200 to 250 photos per home. Wow. If it's older, there's more. Sure. And then I use those because it's forensic. Mm-hmm. You know, I may see something on the roof. Well, I'm going to take You're a picture a of that. Scene, it is. <laughs> and then I'll, you know, or, you know, for instance, I'll go around a house and I'll see a gas meter, but I don't see any flues on the roof. Well, what's up with that? Mm. You know, and then I'll I'll get in the attic and they've had a new roof put on and they just didn't put the flues back on. Mm. So now you've got a, a, an attic that's full of carbon monoxide. There you go. <laughs> Staying on the topic of gas, we've got someone on the line. Ida in Fayette has got a question about gas odors. Ida, you are on the line. What's going on? Yes, good morning. Good morning. Uh, yes, ma'am. Um, I live in an apartment that's about 40 years old, and we have a persistent gas odor. Um, I've had the gas company out a couple of times to check, and they couldn't find a gas leak. We even paid for a gas test, and the pressure held on the line. Uh, all the pilots are lit, but we still have a persistent gas odor in the apartment, and I'm, I'm just worried, you know, um, where could it possibly be coming from? Could it be sewer gas or... You know, I, I don't know. So I was just calling to get some insight. Yeah, that's interesting. If they did a pressure test on the lines and there's not, and, and it's holding, and what they do is they, they literally put pressure into it to make sure that that pressure holds. If there was any bit of a leak, it would, the pressure would not hold. It would just, you know, it would decrease. So I'm wondering if you might be onto something as far as some type of a sewer um situation and that could come from anything from let me see if i can describe this if you what is your furnace ida is it it, is it burning gas or is your water heater gas uh it's electric now we previously had a gas furnace before we got a new hvac unit now it's electric okay so that may be what your problem is. If you have, if you came in with a newer system, is it in a closet? Yes, ma'am, it is. Okay. That unit should have coming off of it at the condenser, it should have a P-trap or something that the water, whenever your, your air conditioner is on, has to drain out. And if they put it in without adding a P-trap, it could literally pull sewer gases back into the house. So I would consider having an HVAC technician take a look at that, um, just pursuant to what you said about, you know, you had a new unit put in. 
Also, what will happen, is your water heater in the house as well or in the apartment? Yes, ma'am. It's in the same closet with the furnace. Okay. It's electric. Okay. So what will happen is that you have to have a drain coming off of those things that take the water out. You have to have a pan for your water heater and, and a condensate drain for your air conditioning system. A lot of times when they're in their closet together, they're both draining to the same place. If you don't see a P-trap on that drain, then what's happening is that it's decompressing when the air comes on and pulling sewer gases back up through the drain. So I would consider getting an HVAC technician over there to look at the drains on the condensate and the drain on your water heater. Yes, ma'am. Okay, thank you so much. Yeah, thank luck you, with that. Ida. Yeah, I hope you get that. Hope you get that smell out of there. God, that's got to be unpleasant. Well, what it does is, and I see this all the time in older properties, is that it doesn't pull enough to kill you. It just is irritating, right? You know, and it stinks and yeah. worries you. It worries you. People get worried about it. And I've always said, I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. You know, when Mama smells something. You know, it don't care. I don't care what Daddy says. If Mama smells it, then you need to investigate. <laughs> yes, yes, agreed. Yeah, I don't know what it is about a man in his nose, but they just don't you smell ain't stuff. Kidding. You yeah. ain't kidding, Daddy? Are you listening? <laughs> you ain't kidding. But here's the thing about us: we'll stop everything and be like, "You smell what that? is that? You yes, that? yes, what? yes." I know, and I, I don't. And, and you know, Daddy's like, "I don't smell nothing." Yeah, right. <laughs> well, you better. I tell you what. Let's take one more call before break. This is Dina and Brandon. Let's go ahead and get Dina on the air. Dina, what's your problem? Um, I'm worried about the cold weather next week. I have pecs piping. Mm. What should I do? Do do I need to worry about these freezing temperatures we're about to have? Uh, Pecs, so the house is less than 15 years old? Yes. Yeah, no, you're fine. I mean, PEX is, the good news about PEX is that if it freezes, it will expand and contract and not break like copper or PVC mm-hmm. or CPVC. So I would just, you know, drip your lines. Uh, I always tell folks, you know, PEX is an awesome product, but I'll see it all the time up in the attics and it's not been insulated because we live in a zone that doesn't require that. And so the builder is not going to do it if it's not required. Well, when we get these 15 degrees, it's going to freeze unless you drip your lines. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I wouldn't worry about, you know, people ask me all the time, should I insulate it? Well, I wouldn't. (laughs) I wouldn't spend all that. You know, if the builder does it on the front end, then awesome. But if they don't, it's dangerous getting up there and trying to get it all insulated. I would just drip the lines. You know, it would be cheaper, and it doesn't require a hospital stay. Okay, so drip all the lines in your house? Well, you want to drip the lines closest to the water heater and anything that's on the outside wall. And just do that. Okay. And you would need to do that if, you know, once we – and I think where it's coming next week where we're going to have several days below freezing. <sighs> Um, yeah. So, yeah, I would I would drip my lines. Water's cheaper than a plumber and a hospital stay. Okay, and that's like a fast drip or a slow drip? A slow What's drip is fine. It's fine. Slow drip. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's what I do. So Thank you, Thank Dina. You. 
Thanks for getting in touch with us, man. Dina lucked out with some fancy pipes, huh? She's got a little less to worry about than the rest of us. Well, if you're in a PEX um, and it's polyethylene something, I don't know. Anyway, it's blue and red. <laughs> uh, some of it's white. And it, it expands and contracts. And it doesn't require you to solder anything. Copper, you used to have to sweat the lines. You sure. know. Now you can buy a PEX tool. I think it's like $110 and put it in yourself. Um but I don't feel anyway. I learned my lesson on plumbing. But yes, it is an awesome, awesome product. Um, if you have a manifold, which is kind of like an electric panel for your water, um, if you've got a manifold in your house, what you can do is you want to make sure if it's in a carport or the attic, you better drip your lines because with those things freeze, you and you in trouble. Um, so put you a little space heater in the. Um, garage if it's out in the garage or if it's up in the attic just drip your lines be sure you drip those lines but you one of the nice things about that is you can go to that manifold and look at it and there'll be something that says exterior hose bib if you turn that off and then go outside and drain that line you don't have to buy all the foamy things to cover your your outside faucets pex cross-linked poly poly say that polyethylene thank you Mm -hmm. Yeah, You're listening to Fix It 101 on MPB Think Radio, the home improvement show to help you do it yourself. I'm Lacey Alexander here with Pam Pibus, ASHI Certified Inspector at Inspect It Like a Girl. Licensed contractor Jeff Salmons from Houseworks is out this week, so it's just me, Pam, and Jermaine doing a girls-only takeover today. We're having a good time talking about the inspection process, talking about some gas issues. Uh, let's get this section of the show started by going back to the phone lines. Our buddy Kathleen and Osaka is on the line. What's going on, Kathleen? Well, it's a sunny morning for a change. No great clouds, no rain, a little chilly. I'm in my office a la natural. In other words, I have to go outside to use my high-tech phone. Listen, I just wanted to say something before I get into my question. Nice to have competent women involved in this because a lot of people don't realize a lot of women own property by themselves. That's right. Kudos to you. Now, here's my little problem. I just, because Ida, I had lost my hot water heater and my my pump and everything. It was a mess. So I had a brand new uh, top of the line uh, gas heater put in. Now, with the drought, and I'm on a well, and it was seemingly like my water was not fast flowing as it was i'm thinking do i have to have that hot water heater cleaned out in case of sediment or something in the bottom you could is it a gas water heater kathleen yes it is okay when is it accessible can you stand next to it Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's when, in my laundry room. Yeah. When, what will happen if then I actually had a conversation with a client with, about this the other day? Older water heaters or water heaters that are on wells where your mineral deposits are really high, you can yep. tell if it is starting to uh, get mineral deposits in there if you stand next to a gas water heater and when it is lit, when it's trying. So, in other words, you could go and fill up a tub and then come, I mean, just and let the hot water run in the bathtub. Okay, so what that's going to do is that's going to take the water level in the 
hot water heater and bring it down so that ignites the pilot at the base so that as the new water comes in, it's heating that water. When that water is heating, if you can stand next to your water heater and you hear knocking, like it sounds like there's something bumping up against the inside of the tank, that means you have mineral deposits in there and you need to flush the water heater. Huh. Fun fact. Yeah. Well, I'm worried about the sand from the water pump coming in. Yeah. Unbeknownst to me. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I think you would still hear that um, probably. And you're talking to somebody that doesn't have a lot of experience with wells. If I lived in that situation, I would probably flush my tank every year regardless, Mm. especially since you are close to, I mean, it's accessible. So at the bottom of every water heater is a spigot. It's a little faucet. And you can literally, you can, the homeowner could do this themselves. You can just go in and hook a hose up to it, run the hose outside and turn it on and let it flush for a while because now the water is coming out of the base of the tank instead of at the top. I see. Well, thanks again, guys. You haven't let me down. All and, right. Uh, continue on. Thank you, Kathleen. <laughs> thanks, Kathleen. Thank, thank you, Kathleen, for adding another uh, female voice to our all-female episode. I'm well, going to say that know, about 20 minutes. Have you noticed the last couple of callers have been female, too? Yeah, look at us. It's ladies' night. It's ladies' day. Well, ladies let, day. Me, <laughs> let me say something about your water heater, too. On a tanked system, there is at the top of the tank a, a hex screw. And it, it's about the size, it's a little bit bigger than a quarter. And if you see that, what that is, it's called the anode. And it, what that anode does is that it's a, I don't know how to say, it's probably about 12 to 18 inches long. It's on, it goes down into the water heater to collect the mineral deposits. It will literally eat uh-huh. that anode up. So you can change okay. that anode out as well. And I don't know on a... Um, in your situation, there may be a high mineral content just because you're on a well. So that may also be a problem that you could look at. As far as that being a DIY project, I'm just not real sure. I've never changed one of those before. But I do know well, that they can um, collect a lot of minerals and create clogging uh, inside the tank. At this age, I have to learn how to delegate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, I'm something just something else to check on. Okay. Have a good day, gals. Thank you, Kathleen. You have a good day, too. Always nice to hear from you. Um, Jack and Brandon has been waiting patiently on the line with us. Uh, Jack says that he has a fireplace question. Go ahead, Jack. Tell us what's on your mind today. I appreciate the call. Sorry to break the streak for ladies. But <laughs> That's I'm all right, Jack. On. We're happy to have you. Well, yes, Jack. <laughs> calling on behalf of my wife, so that should count towards something. There you go. There you yeah. go. We recently moved to a two-story house with a fireplace up upstairs and down, and it, it shares one large column. I don't know if it's two separate fireplaces or what, but it was converted to gas about 10 years ago. Uh, and it's got nice, really heavy cast iron flues at the top. We just want to know the proper procedure for running the system. Can we, during the winter time, can we leave the flue cracked and just turn the gas on as we want? Should we open and close it every time? What's what's the best procedure for that kind of stuff? You know, that is just an awesome question, Jack. A couple of things you want to keep in mind: uh, a conventional fireplace that has been converted to gas. There are a lot of mistakes that happen whenever that is done. 
you you really are not supposed to put a ventless gas log into a vented fireplace. Um, and there's some reasons behind that. One, the, the main one is that it gets so incredibly hot that it will damage the damper and the flue. If you have vented gas logs, then um, I would strongly recommend that you get what's called a damper clip and put that on your damper so that it stays open all the time. The difference between a vented gas log and a ventless gas log is that the ventless gas log has a device on it called an oxygen depletion sensor. It's a little anode that's on the pilot. That will prevent the gas logs from being lit if the gas logs are off-putting carbon monoxide. Your vented gas logs do not have that device. Thus, the flue has to always be open. Let me ask this. You said that it's sharing your upstairs gas logs. Are they in a bedroom? Yes. Well, it's a split-level house. The downstairs is just a basement with a fireplace, but we use it as a bedroom. Okay. There are actually codes that prevent gas logs from being put in sleeping areas. Uh, is it, yeah, it's a very, very dangerous. So I well, would but- never ever go to bed with those gas logs burning ever yeah we don't it my main concern is it's it's set up on a remote and i'll I'll add it was put in by a very reputable company in town i I do have the original paperwork where i can look up and make sure we're we're in it and whatnot but um it's set on a remote control on and off and so we're we're trying to wonder the laziness factor can we just uh, leave the flu propped open it has a really heavy iron kind of prop rod uh, with multiple heights on it so just if it's set to the lowest one and constantly vented would that just and there's carbon monoxide sensors in the house we just want to make sure we're doing the you know by the book and it's yeah. not like it's not if it's in the sleeping area but it is kind of a, just an open area basement downstairs more ad hoc sleeping but uh makes me wonder yeah well and i you're good to wonder uh, with that question mark in mind you know how important is it <laughs> oh well, we're not running them while we're sleeping, like you say. That's yeah. A good point, but it's but it's nice to be able to crank them up when it's really really. Oh yeah. Frosty down there. Yeah yeah yeah. Um, now let me tell you this, Jack. If you're running your gas logs, and I hope everybody tune into this, if you're running your gas logs and you have condensation on your windows, turn mm-hmm. those gas logs off. Well, will this tell you anything? We we can't have it going for more than twenty thirty minutes at a time because it just gets so hot so fast compared to everything else. And that's with the flues open and everything. Yeah. Well, just look for that condensation because if, you, if, you, if you've got water, you've got carbon monoxide. Gotcha. Okay. So that's, that's, that's really the thing, the red flag that I'm going to look for is, um, you know, and, and my mama, bless her soul, she loved having, you know, we, when I was growing up, we lived in a log house. That thing was drafty. I mean, it was just, and we'd be so cold, and she never could get warm. Well, then my father builds her this really nice, tight house, and she had those gas logs all the time, and I'd go over there, and the windows would be dripping wet, mm. <laughs> you know, and it's well, just so unsafe. Yeah. Would it, would it put your mind at ease if the house has a ridge vent? I mean, does that provide a lot of 
ventilation for that sort of carbon monoxide, like you mentioned earlier, or that's still... Well, your ridge vent, yeah, your ridge vent is for attic ventilation. It really doesn't have anything yeah. to do with what's going on, on inside the envelope, so... In the living space. Uh-huh, okay. yeah. I would just okay. make sure that your carbon monoxide alarms are, are in the inadequate locations and plugged in and operational, test them, make sure that they're working, and you should be fine. Thank you, ladies. I really appreciate it. Okay. All right. Thank you, Jack, so much for calling. Uh, we got one more caller on the line. Brian has been waiting patiently. Uh, Brian, where are you calling from, man? Uh, Franklin County. Franklin County. What's going on, Brian? Yeah, uh, What's your question today? Well, I wanted to actually have a comment on uh, the lady that called in earlier about the, uh, the stink in the house from the uh, um, thinking it might be coming from the A.C., Drain, it probably is. Um, <clears throat> in the summertime, you run your AC and the uh, the condensation from the E-coil, um, the A-coil rather, um, keeps the uh, the water in pizza, which keeps stink out of the house. In the summertime, you turn the air conditioner off, and then the pizza dries out, and that's where you know that's it allows it that uh, water seal to be broken. You're right. Yeah, that's a good comment, Brian. I've, I see that quite a bit because the P-trap's going to be full of water whenever the air conditioner's running. Mm-hmm. And then you turn right. your air off, right. and it, that P-trap can literally dry out or back siphon, and that'll, that'll allow the odors to come back into the house. Real good comment, Brian. Thank you for saying that. Well, thank you. Um, well, um, well, to save her some money, instead of calling a, uh, an ACAC tech right now, do a little experiment. Find where the, uh, like you said before, you, you, you told you know how to find the P-trap. Wherever it ties in, it should be a, a uh, an indirect connection. And where the pan drain and all that stuff ties in the sewer. Take some water and pour into that P-trap. Yeah, good idea. Wait 30 minutes, 45 minutes, whatever. See if the state goes away. If the state goes away, she found the problem. She took care of it. And that'll save her 150 bucks. That's true. You know, having, you know, having somebody else come out there and pour water into it. Yeah, if you and can I find the access to it, if it's got one, sometimes they don't. Sometimes what you could do, too, is just pour the water into the um, in the water heater pan because it'll take it down into the yeah. P-trap. Yeah, 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 that's true. That's true. That, that, is, that is true. All right. Um, uh, another, thing, another comment I wanted to say real quick was uh, on the last caller, love the word you used, envelope, man. Um, I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Goodbye. Thank you, Brian. Hey, Pam knows what she's talking about now. You got We, we got Pam on the show for a reason. Well, she, <clears throat> she knows the jargon. I know how to sound like I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't. So it's a good thing we're in here together. It's, uh, it's funny that they made that comment. And I know that this is unrelated, but that few months ago, that very first time you turned your heat on for the first time in a while, God stinks. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it does. Well, it gets dusty and then, it, yeah. you know, and that's why whenever they're doing new construction and they put a furnace in, this just drives me crazy. I'll go over to a house and nothing's been commissioned. Brand new house. I'll turn that furnace on and it sets all the fire alarms off mm. because it's burning off all the dust yep. that's in the system. But, you it's know, waking up. There's nothing wrong. 
Right. You know? And so I'll, I'll tell my clients, if you're moving in new construction and it's October, November, what you may want to do is just go ahead and turn that heat on and open all the doors. <laughs> yeah. I tell you what, let's take one more call for the show. This is Tony calling us from Georgia. Uh, Tony, uh, what's going on, man? You're in, I think that says Milledgeville, Georgia. Is that right, Tony? That is correct, Lacey. Good morning, Lacey. Good morning, Tony. What's going on, man? Hey, good morning. Thank you all for taking my call, and thank you for the information. Certainly. Okay. Okay. Yesterday, in the area where I live in Georgia, we had lots of wind and lots of rain. Mm -hmm. So we have a house that sits on a hill, and an addition to our house is on a slab. Well, in the area where the slab is located, water came into the room. So one of the rooms that is located on a slab was really saturated. Mm. I'm wanting to ask Pam and you all what likely caused that other than just lots of water and what do we need to look at as far as fixing that problem. Mm. You know, without what I see on the radio, yeah, <laughs> as Jeff would say, Tony, what I would do has has this happened before? Is this a, a a new situation, or it just happened yesterday? Several years ago, we noticed a little bit of water there when we had a heavy rain, but it was you know the, yesterday was the first time it had this very saturation right are there windows and doors on that slab uh no external doors we okay. have an internal door and okay. we have one window that's external yeah well you know unfortunately it's like i, I opened the show with talking about my friends you know when you get horizontal rain it's just it's going to come in places where you don't normally see it what i would do is clean it up and then watch it and seeing monitors to see if you can figure out exactly where it's coming from. Sometimes when you do an addition and you've got uh, a new slab that's been connected to an older foundation, sometimes those things will move independently a little bit and you'll end up with some type of a void and you don't find the void until you end up with horizontal rain like we had yesterday. And it could be that it's just something that might happen whenever we have those types of water events. It's hard, without me seeing it, um, it's hard for me to try to diagnose it. But I would watch it during a regular rain event and then just check that area very closely. The other thing you could do in Milledgeville, you may want to try to find a home inspector who has thermal imaging because they can take that thermal camera, come into the interior of the home and do some scans on that wall and maybe figure out exactly the entry point. When we use thermal imaging, you have to do the thermal scan within 48 hours after the rain event. So now that you know you've got this problem, you may want to go ahead and try to find an inspector and then see if you can't tee them up to be there the next time there's a rain event. Mm. So they could come in and maybe give you some information that you're not going to be able to find without tearing sheetrock out. Well, and it doesn't happen, you know, with with normal rain. It does not happen just, you know, yesterday, as you all know from your experience there and the news. I mean, we just had excessive weather. Yeah, yeah. Water and flooding and stuff here. And and actually, I had called a month or so ago, and you know, we had a new roof put on the house. 
and I had called you all with some questions, and as I was walking through the house yesterday, I noticed water on the floor. And I said, oh, man, we just put the roof on the house, and I was looking to see if there was water, you know, leaking from the roof, and it was not, thankfully, but it did turn out it was coming in, you know, around that slab in that bedroom. That's why the thermal, get, get an inspector with the thermal camera. Because there may be things going on that you don't know about. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for thank you so much for your call, Tony. We have run out of time. I tell you what, Fix It 101 is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Think Radio and is funded by generous contributions from listeners like you. Our show is produced by me, Lacey Alexander. Our call screener is Charles Honored. Arnold, sorry, our board operator, the beautiful Jermaine Flood. For Pam Pibus, stay tuned for our Wednesday 10 a.m. program, Everyday Tech. And join us next Wednesday at 9 for Fix It 101, only on MPB. Think Radio, thank you as always. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Oh